how a retail business grows is uh, very different than it used to be. You don't grow just by picking the next right store location. You grow by embracing this mesh of digital, physical ways to engage a consumer. Welcome to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. I'm Marcella Cavallero, Esri Manager of National Government Emerging Business, and I'll be your host for today. You just heard Leslie Hand, Vice President of Retail Insights at International Data Corporation, highlight what should be the main concern of retailers in an omni-channel economy, customer engagement. Today, many retailers are using location, data-enriched analytics to woo customers and deepen customer loyalty. Here, Esri Marketing Programs lead, Ed Loker, investigate the leading practices of digitally savvy retailers. So thank you very much for taking time out of your schedule to participate and be here with us today. We're very excited. So... Retail disruption is a very hot topic these days. How would you characterize retail disruption and how will it impact those retail businesses moving forward? Yeah, I think if you're a retailer and you're not thinking about how your business is being disrupted, then you're probably heading for some rough waters. Disruptions all around us and and in in a way, the world has been flattened and technology is enabling disruptors, new kinds of retailers, global retailers, to move places where they didn't move before and to attract consumers in different ways and serve consumers in different ways than they used to. So, I mean, disruption's all around us. So what are the biggest obstacles, in your opinion, that retailers face in becoming more technologically or more digitally savvy? Yeah, so some of the biggest challenges that retailers tell me about are either... You know, there's so many things that they can potentially do that they don't know what to do first. So they're struggling with kind of creating that holistic strategy around uh, what their priorities are and what comes before the next thing. There are a lot of things happening around consumer engagement that are attractive and seem necessary to do. But then they struggle with, well, do I need to completely revamp my core foundational systems? Do I need new POS or is POS going away? You know, so they struggle in making those uh, decisions around what to do. And then they also struggle with kind of staffing the positions to do them. There's a little bit of a labor crunch on some of the newer technologies that they might want to implement. So, you know, finding partners that could do it for them, looking at startups and innovative companies as potential acquisition targets um, to bring some of that skill and talent in-house themselves. But they're also looking at those service providers who can stand up a service that's perhaps cloud-based or uh, turnkey, whether it you know resides on-premise or not, uh, but can also provide those skill sets. The big guys, like I said, tend to do it more themselves. The smaller guys are going to look for more turnkey services. Number one, they don't currently, nor do they need to, have really big IT staffs. And the variety of technologies that they're now utilizing to run their companies, to engage with consumers, is just far too complex. They have to rely on service partners um, and cloud-based services, um, you know, and they can even drive down the costs or improve their ability to get those projects going by rethinking how they pay for them. Are there specific categories or examples of types of retailer where those midsize or the smaller actually have an advantage? 
and maybe leapfrog some of the larger retails from a, a technology perspective because they don't have this legacy staff that they need to either retrain or, or reprioritize. Yeah, well, you know, the, the retailers that I think are leapfrogging most are those disruptors, right? And, and I like to call them born on the third platform. IDC uses the term third platform to describe, you know, cloud, big data, mobility, et cetera. Uh, they didn't have that legacy stack of capabilities, which can be an inhibitor of progress, right? And it can be an inhibitor of progress because, number one, every time they try to add something, they've got, you know, 100 item masters somewhere. They've got customer data in multiple systems across the enterprise. You know, they've got pricing and promotional data in different systems. They're getting inputs from outside companies, and it becomes very complex to test and implement systems to drive change. So yeah, the, the companies that are most fluid and most able to adapt are those who have foundational systems that are more integrated and simpler in a way, right? And mm -hmm. I, I don't mean integrated to, to mean all in one necessarily, but uh, so well integrated that it's simple to implement change. And that's what the new systems are being designed for. This generation of foundational capabilities is designed for adaptability and responsiveness. So adding a little hyperbole to the conversation, the rash of retail store closing has caused some in the media to declare the onset of the retail apocalypse. Can retail survive? Yeah, you know, retail is here to last. Um, I, I mean, media loves sensationalizing anything, right? And I think the whole apocalypse is a little bit sensational. There is significant disruption happening, and retailers cannot plan on doing business today the way that they did 10 years ago, maybe not even five years ago. <laughs> business is just different. The way I engage with my consumer is different. And the way that I use my balance of physical and digital capabilities to serve a consumer is dynamic and integrated. You know, it's, it needs to be fluid. So my consumer, as they go through their customer journey, needs to be able to kind of weave their own way <laughs> through this combination of uh, physical spaces and digital properties, right? And the consumer will do that, you know, their own way. So it's Consumer-driven, the retailer needs to be customer-centric in response and to enable that multi-threaded, very dynamic path. So interesting, multi-threaded dynamic path. So location as being this key element woven within this multi-threaded engagement with customers. How are retailers embracing this notion of location and how are they changing how they are approaching their own businesses with that in mind? Yeah, I think, you know, the old notions of how a retail business grows is uh, very different than it used to be. You don't grow just by picking the next right store location. You grow by embracing this mesh of digital, physical uh, ways to engage a consumer, both being important and both being differently important in different customer journeys. Um, so the key is knowing the consumer well enough by you know, using analytics and, and understanding them, and then being able to support them along their journeys you know, with information about, you know, if I'm interested in picking this item up today, where should I go to get it? Um, if I'm willing to wait till tomorrow, but I'm standing in a store and I don't want to 
carry it home with me? Can you ship it to my house anyway? There are no limitations on what the consumer can have today. So if you can't tell me in real time that you know that a product is sitting at the store across the street, I might not go in that door. So location, knowing where inventory is, being able to move inventory around um, easily with the knowledge of this store across town just sold out of their stock on this product today. We know that tomorrow it's very likely that we need six more units there. We can't get it from the D.C. Well, is there a different way to get it there? Um, or do we just promise those customers that go in there that we'll ship it to their house? I mean, so, so these physical properties become a part of the engagement process. And the consumer, we can communicate with them and support them. Uh, we saw that they were online last night and they were looking at certain products. We also know that it's in that store, close to that event they're at. Can we tell them, whether it's text or email or, or whatever, that product's in stock? And if they're interested, there's a 10% off coupon available. Or maybe they don't even care about the discount. Maybe it's more about convenience of, of picking the item up. Amazon recently made ways with their acquisition of Whole Foods. What does this move suggest about Amazon's overall strategy and even the future direction of retail? Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, Amazon's done a couple of very interesting things. The, the big announcement about their store, but then this announcement that they're acquiring Whole Foods. Two forays into physical store spaces, but also the Amazon Go store concept also is, you know, just laden with technology that really creates, in my opinion, the best example of omnichannel retail out there in the marketplace right now. So for me, those two things take them together and the retailer no longer has an excuse to not be able to visualize what their future looks like. That's the kind of thing that's going to happen more. So I don't need to have everything everywhere. And the consumer is going to have the option to live in this converged digital physical world to have all their needs met. This customer-centric approach to retail is all about developing relationships, right? And there are some, some retailers that also don't seem to get that. They think that a shift to more digital means I close stores and reduce services in stores. I think if you're going to differentiate as a physical store, you add service, you add value. There's got to be a reason to go to the store. It's not just to pick up goods, you know? Consumers like to shop, it's fun. You know, it can be fun. It can be work too. But, you know, it depends on what you're looking for and whether you're out with your girlfriends or... Or, <laughs> or on Black Friday. <laughs> or whether you're, yeah, exactly. But the point is, um, there has to be a differentiated value in the utilization of those physical properties versus the expectations and, and the efficiencies that come from fast fulfillment from unmanned warehouses or distribution centers and that sort of thing. So, so they really have to think about what is the value of every property they own um, and how, what is the consumer going to care most about. And I think trust and developing a relationship is really key. So changing gears a little bit, because this is something that's always been interesting to me, is RFID, being able to track something from here to there and having high degree of confidence on arrival date. And being able to have this 
near instantaneous view of the entire supply chain on where everything is so you can reroute for any number of things. What is the most intriguing component of that as, as we really wrap our arms around this yeah. notion? So, you know, I think just the real-time uh, information availability is really important. But it's also about triangulation of where that product is to where my consumer is. How do I support the consumer's journey better by knowing these things, right? And in some cases, I might be leveraging that knowledge of where products are in my supply chain to make decisions on the fly. And they're going to be autonomic decisions that my systems make for me that I don't need to make. It takes work away from the people that can more easily and in a better way be accomplished by machines. But then there's also filtering of data that might happen at the edge of the network that enables me to know my consumers standing in aisle in front of this product and the dwell time standing in aisle tells me that they can't make a decision <laughs> or that they're not finding what they want. How can I support them? Can I, you know, tell somebody that's right down the aisle to run over to help them, to ask them a question? You know, can I help you find what you're looking for? Or, you know, can I explain the difference between this and that? And uh, those are new ways to operate, right? They're new processes, but it's, it's all based on utilizing that information, filtering it, aggregating it, analyzing it, and then making or improving decision processes and turning insights into action. So what can I accomplish that I couldn't do before without those insights? So we all, as consumers these days, we all want what we want when we want it, and we all want it right now. In a world where delivering that is, is potentially impossible or impossible to achieve, which is more important, speed or accuracy from a retail's perspective? So, you know, I'm a Libra, and I hate making these kinds of black and white decisions. <laughs> but, but no, seriously, um, I think IoT actually elevates our ability to do both better. So with better information, based on the availability of real-time information, I can have higher levels of accuracy. But without being able to make decisions in real time, it's tougher to be responsive to the consumer. And so maybe I'm making those on-the-spot decisions about how to reroute product because one store uh, sold out of the merchandise faster than the other. And uh, previously, you know, a batch process that ran overnight would have made that decision, and it wouldn't have taken into account what's happened today. You know, and I'm just rolling the trucks out now, but they sold out of stock, and I have no idea... And one store is way overstocked, but I only know what happened yesterday. I don't know what's happened today. So, so responsiveness, the real-time nature, that's, that's related to speed, right? It's uh, being responsive, being adaptive, uh, you know, being able to make those decisions in real time. So with that in mind is, lack of a better term, knowledge or information that enables the speed and the accuracy. Is that the most important commodity in retail going forward? Well... Let me take it back a little bit. The, you know, there will always be this delicate dance between the autonomic ways we can be smarter about delivering, you know, our business, uh, about serving our customer, but there's always going to be a human element that socializes it and makes it real and provides the service 
that puts the smiles on people's faces, right? So I don't want to say it's all about being adaptive and responsive. It's also about adding that added value service. We actually talk a lot about creating best experiences because there just isn't room for as many category killers as there used to be. You've got to be a leading marketplace, you've got to be leading in service, or you've got to have a differentiated product. So if you can't do one of those things and be the best, if you can't provide the customer the best experience out there, and, and that changes moment to moment, you know, oh, I just went to this new retailer and they provided this fabulous service or this very differentiated product that just made my day, right? That is this disruption that's going on, right? Um, it's how do I become uh, one of those companies that's going to thrive? So I'm a big movie fan and I really liked Minority Report. Uh-huh. And I'm sure you get referenced this all the yeah. time when the character walks into the store and based on a retinal scan, speaks to him by name, talks to him about the last purchase that he made, and is actually projecting clothes or merchandise on his avatar on the screen. With AR and VR and, and augmented reality and virtual reality on the way, how close are we to being able to see ourselves and interact with products without physically being there? We're, we're there. In my opinion, we're there. It's a, it's a matter of you know, finding the right places to implement the technology, the right kind of entrees where the consumer is comfortable and where they feel there's a need and added value in that capability, right? We're not at the place, even Amazon Go doesn't use biometrics exclusively to determine who you are, but they might know from your phone and they certainly know if you log into your Prime account and then they start personalizing the experience around the store, right? But some retailers are using both AR and VR some fashion retailers experimenting with, you know, the fitting room scenario where I can see on screen for the really advanced ones, perhaps some items that I've previously bought from them. An RFID enabled product that I've hung on a hook in the store. I know what the product is, the other articles that might go with it um, so that I could visualize kind of an outfit versus just the one thing I brought inside the fitting room. Now, in home and garden and furniture and, and housewares, that sort of thing, other things are going on. The furniture guys are using AR and uh, the consumer's own mobile device or kiosks within the store to help the consumer visualize what something will look like in my living room or in my bedroom or in my um, garden. In the future, of course, people that do gaming uh, talk all the time about how they want to use VR to shop um, so I can sit in my living room and browse a store. And in fact, the last Alibaba Singles Day, Macy's, who doesn't own any physical properties in China, participated in Singles Day through a VR-enabled uh, sales experience. The consumer could look through their VR lenses and walk through a store, pick up a coach purse, um, and decide whether they wanted to put that in their cart or not. And it was all this converged physical digital kind of uh, capability. And, and they actually were quite successful. 
Well, this is so fascinating to me. Um, lots of interesting ideas here. So thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. And thanks to Leslie Hand for advocating a multi-pronged approach to customer engagement. To learn more, download our ebook, Making Sense of Digital Transformation at esri.com forward slash wear. To keep current with new interviews, visit our podcast page at esri.com forward slash podcast.